0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Fisherman's Post saltwater Fo- podcast series. My name is Gary Hurley, owner of Fisherman's Post. We've been coming at you since 2003 with the newspaper, the website, with events, uh, tournaments and our ever-popular fishing school. And so now we're coming to you with the new Saltwater Podcast Series. Um, The Saltwater Podcast Series is uh, where we're featuring local captains and guides sharing their knowledge of how to catch more fish more often along the North Carolina coast. This episode is episode number four, and it features Captain Mark Henderson of Liquid Fire Sport Fishing, Liquid Fire fishing team and he's going to be talking about make it easy spring kings on artificials and we'll be we'll have Mark Jonas here in just a second but before we get to Mark I want to introduce my partner in this endeavor Billy Thorpe Thorpe Creative
1: What's up Gary how are you doing man
0: Welcome welcome to another week episode number 4 we made it We did we I, did I
1: forget my podcast apparel my hoodie I didn't spray my hair you know being a celebrity's tough <laughs> especially when you forget stuff <laughs> <laughs> You're looking great,
0: thanks, man. I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate it. And uh Billy, we have a little bit of housekeeping at the beginning yeah we'll do, we'll do a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, I want to share um so we're doing this photo, submit your photos. And then every week on the podcast, we're going to uh, feature a photo. So this week we have, I'll show you this featured photo here by Mauricio um, Alman, or uh, Elman, however you pronounce it there. So man, just a really nice bluefish, 32-inch bluefish, caught that on on some cut bait, uh, some cut mullet there. So yeah, man, big old chopper, nice looking fish. What do you think about that fish, Gary? Um, I think that the big choppers are a welcome
0: addition to the spring fishing, I think we yeah. all—I think many people look forward to those
1: ag- aggressive
0: feeders and
1: fun fighting fish. I agree, man, but I haven't caught one, so <laughs> I Ever? shouldn't have never—not one that big. No, it's on my list. <laughs> on well, <a> fl- <laughs> Well, we'll get a captain in here talking about big bluefish. I know, exactly. That's what everyone wants to hear about, (laughs) how to catch big bluefish. Another thing we want to remind you guys as we're goofing off here is to go to our Instagram page uh, and go like that. Go subscribe on our YouTube channel, uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places you can listen to this podcast, or you can watch it, like I said, on YouTube, or if you don't want to search any of that just go to fishermanspost.com. it's all listed right there under the podcast tab and make sure you like follow rate review subscribe it really helps us out uh bring you this content every week so yeah gary that's uh that's some of my housekeeping stuff up front back to you well right on
0: um we have with us captain mark henderson of liquid fires liquid fire sport fishing liquid fire fishing team how you doing mark
2: I'm doing well, Gary. How are you and Billy doing today, man? Appreciate you having me
0: on. Yeah, man, good to have you, you? have you join us via Skype. Um, you look as I remember you from the winter fishing schools. Old? Uh, no, man. <laughs> Knowledgeable, wise, sage, full of knowledge to share with the much younger fishing population coming up.
2: There you go. About everybody out there is younger than me, so that's uh, so I win that category.
0: Well, Mark, we're going to have you talk about, and I, I like the concept, you know, I think I pitched to you something about spring kings and then your evolution was spring kings and artificials. And then I even like how you wanted to lead into it, you know, make it easy, dot, 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 spring kings and artificials. Because I, I share that view with you, like, let's make it easy, let's make it fun, let's not be too serious, let's help the most number of people, you know, go out and be able to find that target species. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. But before we talk about it, we have a, I guess we'll call it a feature. I'm not sure what else to do it now, but we have like a, a two questions um, before we get into the material. And these two questions are not fishing based, you know, so we're, we're basically seeing, are you a well-rounded individual?
2: Well, I'm pretty round, so I might say that uh, your
0: questions are <laughs> <be> good, man. <laughs> man, you're, you're killing it. I love it. All right. So, Mark, as I was ruminating, as I was thinking, and I was like, man, Mark... With king mackerel he's basically one of the kings of king mackerel fishing in fact you might even be able to call him the king king much like the ever popular or the newly popular netflix series tiger king are you familiar with the netflix series tiger king
2: other than hearing the term, Gary, unfortunately, I am not. Somebody mentioned it to me the other day. So you're, you're getting ready to give me an education. I can see that.
0: Well, we have a couple of questions on Tiger King, and we'll, we'll just see. I mean, you know, we're, we're moving forward at this point. In your Again. conversations of the Tiger King, question number one, do you remember what our main character, the focus of the documentary, his name is? It's Joe Blank.
2: Blank is a good answer because I have
0: no clue. Well, it's Joe Exotic. And so that was the easier of the two questions. So we know number two has no chance, but, you know, at this point I'm committed. So I'm going to see it through. Joe Exotic's main adversary in this documentary is Carol Baskin, who has the big cat rescue in what state?
2: I'm going to say I'm going to say Arizona.
0: Man, you are close. It is Florida
2: wow
0: nice yeah so you were you know you were just a couple of borders away your instincts are good
2: (laughs) heat though man (laughs) a lot of heat in both right
0: there's a lot of heat in both all right so there's our there's our distraction now we're going to get back to it and uh again i i like the structure that you've picked out i'm I'm going to go into my notes so we're going to talk about quickly where to troll what to troll how to troll and then what to do once you have a king in the boat. Does that sound pretty accurate to where we're headed?
2: Absolutely, man. You just uh, will follow the lead, and I'll be glad to work with you and hopefully uh, engage the audience with it.
0: Well, right on. Well, I think, you know, one of the beauties of talking about spring fish is everyone's sort of coming out of a winter, you know, winter, not hibernation, but we're not as active as we are fishing-wise throughout the year. I mean, some people aren't. So people are eager to get offshore. People are eager to get out there and catch a fish. Tell us what's is that timeline for king mackerel fishing? So when is it reasonable to think I can go out and I can find one?
2: You know, Gary, um, it's going to be real soon, real close. The water's starting to warm up already, uh, getting into the latter part of April, first part of May. Uh, we'll start seeing those young summer kings uh, come in. They get very aggressive. Uh, they're feeding. I mean, they're coming off winter. They're trying to. Uh, you know, trying to fatten up. They're excited about, uh, you know, bait that's going to be coming in. So the opportunity to go out and catch, um, you know, a mess of kingfish and a of kingfish is going to be uh, real prevalent and very soon to where, um, you know, you can go out with your family, your friends, real close to the beach, quite frankly. And um, and like I said, make it easy. And uh, so for the audience, it's coming up first part of May. Be, be on the lookout because as that water gets up there into that 65, 66, 67 degrees, those fish will be coming inshore, shore. Pretty, pretty shallow and you won't have to go far.
0: So when you're saying coming in pretty shallow and coming in pretty close, if I were to push you to be a little bit more specific, you know, how shallow, how close?
2: Uh, you know, you can easily, uh, they'll, they'll be anywhere from... Uh, 45 out to about 65 feet. Uh, so generally off of our coast, Gary, you know, um, up here out of Bogue Inlet, that could be uh, three and a half miles offshore out to about 10 miles offshore. And it depends on the, uh, the day uh, and the, the time frame in which you can get out there, get in your boat, get uh, comfortable and go out, you know, as far as you can out to about 10 miles. You really don't have to go much further than that uh, for these spring kingfish and fishing with artificials.
0: And if I'm, if I'm going more than 10, am I overshooting the fish, or you're saying I can catch them within 10? If I go out further, am I better chance, more fish? How does that work?
2: No, um, right now with artificials, I would just target that uh, near shore. Uh, 10 miles and in, um, some of the local and current, um, you know, the artificial reefs, some live bottom, some hard bottoms, some some ledges that you may have gone out and looked and even uh, black bass fish for uh, before. Um, I think, as yes, the further you go out, uh, you're looking for bigger fish, um, but there'll be some big fish in these packs too. I mean, it's, uh, the opportunities are there to catch a lot of fish, an occasional good sized one too. But, you you know, honestly, uh, if you're looking to have fun, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't overshoot them. I definitely would give it a try around some near-shore artificial reefs and, and hard bottom and, and ledges and rocks.
0: So you, as far as this targeting that certain depth, I like what you just said about, you know, hey, this might be where you're pulling up some black sea bass. I mean, I think that would be useful guidance that you could give my audience right now to say, like not just a water depth, but you're looking for a little bit more. So maybe walk us through you know, sort of the philosophy that you've gathered, you know, specifically with springtime about what scenarios in that water depth in, within that 10 mile range are going to give me my best chance to find a bite.
2: You know, just like uh just like anything the fish are going to be around where bait is you're looking for bait that's the most critical thing it's like a fat man at a buffet man if i go to golden corral i'm not having a problem finding my food and that's where i'm going to be and um you know so i i relate to that so i try to think about what fish uh what fish do they want to be around bait they can eat about any time they want to um and then so it's going to be a targeted area so as much as anything, when you're out looking for these fish, even with artificials, you're trolling. You can troll at faster speed. We'll talk about that shortly, I'm sure. Um, but when you find bait, look at you, make sure you use your uh, the technology that you have on your boat, your your depth sounder, and make sure that the gains um, correct on it, so you can really target those species. You're going to a place. Uh, have a have a strategy. Have a plan to where you're going to, but Always being in contact with what you're seeing on your screen, evaluating the water color, the the depth, certainly the temperature. Um, But more than anything, uh, paying attention to what you see on the bottom and through the water column. Real important in any kind of fishing.
0: Okay, so I like that. I mean, so you start with with a plan, but the plan can always change. So I might have in my mind, you know what, I'm going to target this one artificial reef, or I'm going to target these numbers that a, a friend shared with me. And I'm going to have that as my starting plan. And then you're saying monitor everything from water temperature to water depth to what's showing up on the screen and be willing to forego your plan. You don't need to go all the way to that artificial reef if you see conditions that are right prior to getting there.
2: Absolutely. In addition to that, paying, uh, paying close attention to what, you know, the outside surroundings are, whether or not you've got bird activity. uh, If you're seeing something on the surface, if you see a lot of uh, uh, life as far as birds diving, Um, you know, it it could be a school of kingfish, it could be a school of Spanish mackerel or bluefish at this time, uh, eating, you know, sardines or anchovies or glass minnows. Uh, it could be a a combination of any of that. And then if they're diving on that, looking at it and the kingfish, I mean, it's just like anything else. Small fish brings big fish. They're looking for food. They're looking to feed. And so those fish will come in there. And a lot of times, even as Spanish mackerel or bluefish, Troll around that, you know, troll on the outside skirts of it, and those fish will be out there waiting to, it's an ambush predator, so if they get something outside of the the school, which is the protection that bait fish have, if you get an outlier, it's easy for them to target, and so therefore they can, they can go out there, and that's what you're looking for your baits to do. They're out there by themselves, looking as natural as you can make them look, and... You know, being a uh, being a target uh, of the you know being the prey. You know,
0: and what is the bait that they're keying in on this time of year?
2: Uh, a lot of times, um, there's going to be well, certainly menhaden, certainly be out there um, you'll also see glass minnows you'll have a lot of uh, and then some even out if you get out a little deeper you'll start marking some cigar minnows and periodically some um, spanish sardines that will actually get on the surface so there's a lot of bait activity that happens this time of year so therefore you'll see a lot of spanish mackerel you'll see bluefish you'll see uh, false albacore uh, we just went through a period and there's still here a little bit for um, the atlantic bonito but um, you know, that's what you're looking for. So some of those larger fish, bluefish and Spanish mackerel, which King mackerel love to eat, uh, they're in there eating those smaller bait fish. And, um, you know, so it's just, it creates activity and creates, uh, uh you know, a feeding frenzy. It gets things in strike zone. And so, and then therefore... Be looking out on the horizon to see if indeed you can find bird activity because that's what's gonna lead you to you know, and if you're out there with fishing with your family and friends, if you don't see anything on the screen, always be scanning, always be looking, and that way it can take you to a location to where you can possibly get a bite.
0: Um how about and you know, I, I think that well covers it. If you've got a final thought on, you know, where to go then maybe this is where we transition into what to troll or, you know, how how you set up.
2: Yeah. The biggest thing is where to go. Always when you break an inlet, be aware of your surroundings. I don't care when you're fishing, what you're fishing for, be be aware uh, of, have a plan of going to somewhere. Doesn't mean you have to get to that destination immediately if something else looks good. So Be engaged uh, throughout your day costs us a lot of money to go out there and fish. So don't be lazy looking for uh, opportunities. And if you do that, it will make you a better fisher person. No question.
0: Well, right on, man. And we're, you know, I know your attention to detail. You know, I like, I like that approach myself. And so I know that pretty much every piece of the trolling spread is thought out for this King macro fishing. So how do you, how do you play that?
2: You know, um, Gary, I approach, you know, you know. I fished a long time with my kids and we pretty much try to approach king mackerel fishing, Spanish mackerel fishing, if we're fishing for bluefish, whatever it may be, any kind of a, you know, some sort of a pelagic species that's an ambush predator, you know, we kind of look at it at the same. We want to put out a very similar trolling spread, you know, um, knowing how many lines that you can comfortably pull and manage is very important because pulling... Two lines that aren't tangled up is a lot better than pulling six lines that are all mashed up. You, 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 then you're not fishing. So uh, it's going to be real important to manage what you can. And the more you do this, the, the uh, more precise you can become, the more uh, creative you can come with your bait presentations. So, um, But understanding your trolling spread is, is critical. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, one thing that I have... Found out is there a consistent pattern and how you put the baits out and the distance on each side um, that you put it out and knowing that is very important. And, um, you know, so that's kind of, you know, as far as the trolling strategies and the techniques of, of putting and deploying baits, I mean, we can certainly talk about that if that's the direction you want me to go at this point.
0: Um, well, I like what you brought up. You know, I was thinking, you know, for you to share with us what you'll do off of the liquid fire boat, but. But, you know, in, in backing up and, again, looking at our approach, make it fun, make it easy. I mean, I think it's easy for all of us to follow the philosophy two good lines is better than six bad lines. And then that got me thinking, like, yeah, like, I'm the I'm the person with my bay boat who is prime for this. And so, you know, I think I'm three lines top, you know, maybe just two lines. You know, when we do the Spanish fishing with the kids, kids it's only two lines. So yeah, like let's let's walk through that, and maybe you just sort of escalate a little bit. Like if we're gonna if we're just gonna put out two lines, then this might be a good starting point. If you're gonna introduce a a third, maybe a downrigger, this is it. You know, I guess sort of walk us through a progression of you know a, a simple, effective spread up to a little bit more, you know, complex spread with more lines.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, Gary, what I would do um, is to if we're gonna fish artificials, most of them are gonna be pulled. Uh, we'll talk about planers, we can talk about trolling weights, but the biggest thing that makes it easy is to, to go out and uh, get some, some deep divers. You know, some deep, these, these plugs right, right here make it really simple. And what I would do is that the good thing about fishing with, art, for art, with artificials for king mackerel is it can be used in the same uh, equipment that you can use for live bait fishing as well as dead bait fishing. So uh, as far as when I say that, if you've got, you know, your standard king mackerel uh, reel, uh, you could actually use this with your live bait rod to pull artificial lures. And and, uh, so I would, um, you know, first thing I would do is make sure anytime you can, if you're not really around a lot of boats, put a long bait out, I mean, because it's an outlier. It's like I said a while ago, you know, it's kind of that bait out there by itself. And a lot of times bigger fish, they'll be hanging out looking for uh, prey that's easy to find. They like a bigger bait a lot of times. And uh, so you would want to launch one out there as far as you can and, and stay in control of it. Sometimes anywhere from 50 to 75 yards. Um, and then so if you've got a deep diver out there it's a, they're doing its thing it's digging down deep um, and that, of course they go deeper the faster you go we can talk some more about that later but then coming in from there if you want to just run two lines I would probably run one somewhere around 50 55 yards um, and then come in uh, and where you can run another one at about 30 yards that way the baits stay separate and when you make a turn they don't tangle Um, and you know in that way you're always fishing you're always out there you know you got baits in the water if you if you don't have worms in the water you're not going to catch fish That's pretty simple so they're not generally just going to jump in the boat and um, so it's real important that's the first and simplest spread I think that you could possibly make Um, coming in and putting a third one down I mean you could actually let the longer bait out a little further and if you're pulling these deep divers they can be controlled by the The length of the lip okay as compared to this one which is a Yozuri deep diver crystal minnow deep diver to this little bit of wire right there we'll talk about that later but this is a Yozuri jointed minnow that has a little shallower lip so it's further back it's a little bit uh, less length on this so it's gonna uh, dive a little shallower so you're gonna be covering two separate areas of the water column with artificial baits. So if you want to come in and put a third one, you could actually run a third one even in the prop wash. Um, obviously, you're going to separate on, on the different sides of your boat. You're going to go to port uh, side, a starboard side, and then maybe one right down the middle for the long bait is generally how I would handle that. So pretty simple spread, um, you know, and covering the water column, giving, uh, uh, you know, the fish an opportunity to take a look at different colors and that kind of thing.
0: So that's all part of the equation, too, is the different colors of the deep divers. Like, you know, I like, I mean, deep divers are easy. I think this is a great intro material here. Like, they are. They're easy to pull. And so I do want to spend more time on it. Um, So we're following your logic with the bigger lip, smaller lip, and hitting different parts of the water column. We're following the logic with, you know, short, mid, long, depending on two or three baits. Um, Just how important is color? Just how important is that? you know, segmented tail that swims around? Like how much thought do I need to put into, you know, the array of deep divers I put on the boat for a, you know, a, a day of fishing offshore?
2: You know, Gary, that's a good question. If you're first getting started, um, you know, and you and you want to go out and you want to take your children or you want to have your friends and you're just learning, um, you know, you can sink a lot of money into fishing equipment. You and I both know that, whether it's rods and reels or, or um artificial baits or whatever it may be. There's a lot of money that you can walk out of a store with or online or wherever you purchase. So be an understanding of what you really need is important. Uh, There are some, you know, a lot of times colors are out there to catch fishermen as opposed to fish. Now, I don't, I, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth when I say that chartreuse is good one day, pink is good another day. You might have something that's a blue and white or a red and white. So I think it does make an impact and a difference. But I think that there are probably four or five standard colors um, when you're going out and you're buying. Let's say you want to get, you know, uh, you know, you want to go out and you want to buy a Yozuri or a Rapala. Um, you know, deep diver or something along those lines with the big lip. you know, I would stay when, you know and take a look at basic colors. It's hard to go wrong with a blue and silver, a chartreuse, a pink and white, a red and white, and something that's like a color of a pokey. Uh, and then also just a crystal like a clear like um, almost like a silver, uh, I don't really have one here but I can show you, this is in a package, but it's hard to go wrong with red and white, but you can kind of see the coloration of what's happening right back in here. So something like that, that looks a lot like a glass minnow, a small bluefish. Um, so there's a lot of different things, a lot of different colors you can buy, but it's hard to go wrong with those four or five basic colors. If you're going out and saying, you know what? I want to get started. I don't want to spend a ton of money, but you know, these these lures aren't cheap. I mean, they're anywhere from probably 12 up to about 20 bucks.
0: And if we wanted uh, to explore options other than deep divers, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how you envision sort of moving through this material. So I'm, you know, I'm winging a little bit too. I mean, I know the extent of what we want to cover, you know, do you want to add more about deep divers now, like about speed or, or placement like that, or should we move on to some other options that we can pull in a two or three simple line spread?
2: Yeah, we can, let's, we'll talk a little more about the, the deep divers and the speed at which they need to be pulled and what, then we'll talk about like drone spoons and clark spoons and that kind of thing that they can be pulled at the same time that's the benefit of understanding artificial bait fishing and and making presentation but speed one thing i want to understand is that a lot of these deep divers a lot of them will run at the same speeds the bigger deep divers such as one of these great big you know seven plus inch ones like a uh raffle i think this one's called like a Uh, magnum if i'm not mistaken you know that can be pulled deep it can be pulled much faster Um, however it can still be pulled at the same rate of speed at which one of these Yozuri, you know uh crystal minnow deep divers can be pulled generally we're looking about between three and six knots seven the biggest thing is that when you're out there fishing you need to understand that you're not going to outrun that kingfish when you're pulling uh, when you're pulling deep divers and artificial lures they're fast so really and truly it's good to have a little more speed it'll keep it away from potentially those chopper blues that you were talking about at the first the opening here and, and the um, um, the ability to outrun those um, or out troll those fish to speed it's not going to happen so when you're pulling them the main thing, pull them as fast as you can. They'll go down, they'll do their wiggle, they'll do their wobble, they'll do whatever they're supposed to do so you don't have to do anything special to make it happen and attract the fish. But main thing is make sure they stay down and they're not popping up out of the water. And if they're doing that, it's doing its job and you can pull it as fast as you want.
0: And popping up is primarily a product of trolling too fast. Any other variables that can make that happen or is it really just slowing down?
2: Good question, Gary. It is a it's really and truly the quality of the lure. Um, spend a little bit extra to get a high quality lure. Yozuri makes a fantastic product. Um, they're very specific to this type of trolling. Uh, they have a lot of different colors, they've been extremely successful for a lot of people. Um, and it's it's a um, you know, Rapala has some nice stuff out there as well. Um, so it's a um, you know, as far as the trolling speed goes. You want to make sure that that quality product, as soon as it comes out of the box, there's no modification that you need to make, any kind of tweaks or turns on, on the uh, on the guide or the eye up here or anything like that, it's ready to go out of the box. If you get them sometimes, or if you're going too fast, they will pop up out of the water and they'll come up the top and then they'll dig back again. If that keeps consistently happening, either you're going too fast or you got a problem with the lure.
0: Okay. And not much difference... Between, I mean, is six better than three? Like, ideally, we're going six, or really, as long as you're in that zone, you're giving yourself every opportunity to get hit?
2: You're giving yourself every opportunity, Gary. Uh, but also, sometimes, you know, fish like it if you, you know, any different activity. What you're trying to do in any fish, any time, is put a bait in the strike zone. It's real important to put it in the strike zone. They're not always hungry, but they always are always a predator. So, they're looking to kill something as much as they are to eat it a lot of times. So anything that you can do to make a change, for example, in trolling speed, if you're trolling at four knots, you might want to bump it up to six, six and a half, and do that a little bit, and then drop it back down to four. So what happens, it looks like that, that bait may be digging down and running away from it. Fish is just following it because, again, they can eat at any time, but if this fish is on a tail and it, and, and there's something funny about it, and it's just doing its thing, going down there, then all of a sudden it backs up to it, and, and it, it can trigger the natural instinct to hit and kill. Sounds bad to a human being, but that's what they're created for. That's what they do. And so anything that's in their strike zone that makes them impulse strike, that's what you're trying to do and trying to get trouble troll hook any
0: And uh, any difference between, like, trolling with the waves, against the waves? You know, does that affect you know uh, what a king's looking for or you know triggering that action
2: you know a lot of times um you know you're going to troll a spot you know in our coast we don't have long most of the time we don't have long ledges to run like down in florida they got a, a couple of different ledges that go for miles and miles that you can follow it so we're structure fishing most of the time when i say structure fishing it's whatever's on the bottom whether we talked about rocks and hard bottom or ledge you know broken ledges uh Artificial reef, or whatever it may be, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're targeting that and speed and direction of the waves does matter. It matters at the speed at which your boat's traveling. So, if you're going with current, with the waves, you're going probably be at a bit at a faster speed. Uh, so, you may actually get up to seven or eight knots at some times. Whereas coming against the current or against the waves, you know, you may be down to four. Uh, And so it's going to pull a little harder. It might pull a little deeper. And um, so that's the biggest thing. And finding out where those fish, if you're getting into a bite, pay attention to what your track line is. Put your track line on your machine, wherever you go, and wherever you're targeted to go fishing. Make sure your track line's there. And then if you get a bite, Mark it, mark where that fish is located, know which direction you're traveling in, because there are times that with current or whatever it may be, that's the way they're looking, that's the way they're trying to feed. So staying engaged and understanding the direction in which you travel, the speed at which you're traveling. If you troll back to it, go through the same spot, you don't get bit again, come back through, go a figure eight, come right back through that spot, you might get hit again. That's pretty common in, in uh, king mackerel fishing.
0: Okay. And then this is uh, – we'll call this a pretty simple question. Of course, I already know the, uh, the answer to it. I'm asking more for Billy.
1: <laughs> Appreciate that. So
0: when Billy's out there and Billy's trolling two lines, you know, and he's got the port a little bit shorter than the starboard, the port line a little bit shorter than the starboard line, does it matter which way he turns?
2: You know, I generally turn um... – you know, generally turn into the shorter bait if you can. Um, And if you keep them separated, you generally won't have a problem with them tangling up. Um, You know, you just want to fish different areas. So, but it is a good question. And that's a really good point that I did want to make a point of a while ago is that when you're talking about changing speed and changing direction, turning is very important because there are times what happens if you're making a turn at the same speed and you do make a turn, it'll slow the end the, inboard bait down or the closer bait down but it'll speed up the outside bait so that in and of itself a turn will change the momentum of your lure. It will might rise it in the water column on one on the inside and and lower it on the outside. So you're making an adjustment and making a change without really ever having to change the speed of your boat. And so that's a really important thing to be able to do, especially with artificials or dead bait fishing, really. I mean, it makes a big difference. When you change that direction or you change that speed, it can trigger a, a strike just like that
0: and you uh you showed us i think when you held up one of the deep divers you had some wire tied on so we are not just putting that deep diver on the mono tell me about tell me about how you like to connect that deep diver you know to your live bait rod or you know your trolling rod
2: yeah gary it's uh, i treat it quite frankly i treat it just like a live bait lure i mean a live bait rig most of the time um, because these kingfish, you you, and Billy and our audience, most of them would know, very, very sharp teeth, um, very aggressive fish. They can bite through. If you king mackerel fish, you, I don't care what kind of leader you have, you're going to get bite-offs. Um, the one thing about fishing artificials as opposed to live baits, you're staying in contact with the lure all the time. So, therefore, generally, see if I can untangle this darn thing. I'm trying not to put on my glasses and pretend to be old. Um, but... So what happens, man, is that you know when you're pulling these lures, okay, and you're staying in contact with it all the time. This line is up here, so therefore you're pulling it and staying taut. In a live bait, a lot of times a live bait will swim. I don't know that you can see it, but they'll swim out ahead of the of the uh, leader sometimes. So either way, though, you're gonna get a lot of bite offs, but. Artificials you don't seem to get quite as much. So but what I do is I treat it just like I would a live bait rig. I always run when I'm king mackerel fishing, uh specifically, I always run. I like to use American fishing wire surf strand. Um, but there's a lot of people that like to use um single strand wires where as well. And there's some instances that I want to use that also, and that's the connection to the actual ring or, or uh, uh, connection right here I can't anyway so I'll, uh, we can talk about that if we have time but I like to use wire uh, 60 pound 1 by 7 surf strand I like using that a lot number one I get less bite offs with it and over the years but it's also very easy to tie no haywire twists. if you ever tie a haywire twist you tie 10 of them you generally I don't care how good at it you're going to donate blood and uh, so it's a uh, but the the one by seven surf is real easy to tie. American fishing wire makes a very very good product, uh, and they make straight wire too. So, I'll generally run at least on an artificial anywhere from eighteen inches to two feet, maybe even up to three feet. You can see it, it comes through, and I would treat it just like a live bait King Michael rig. That way, if the fish does come in, you have much less chance to lose your uh, your, your lure.
0: What's that knot you tie?
2: This right here is a um, simply. It's called a uh, a figure eight knot. It is a one turn clinch knot on the um, uh, on the uh, one by seven surf strand. Very very simple to tie with with this right here. And and everybody that fishes and and is learn to tie knots that's almost the first knot that you learn to tie, which is a clinch knot. It's the one you go through the eye, wrap it up about five times, come back through the hole, and and pull it tight. This is literally all you do is wrap it one time, come right back through and in wire, you pull it down tight. I've never seen a knot fail.
0: Right on. All right. Pretty cool. Yeah, man. I like, and again, I like your approach of make it easy because you know, I think it, it's, if we can make it for the most people to follow along, to give most people the chance to go out there and put a King on the boat. I mean, I, I love that idea. And deep divers are certainly easy, um, an easy segue into King mackerel fishing here in the springtime. Um, Maybe now's the time for what else? Like, all right, I I feel comfortable with the deep divers. I want to feel like I have a few more arrows in my quiver. What else would I introduce?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about drone spoons um and um Uh, Clark spoons as well Um, but going back real quick the biggest thing for making it easy for me is because you know as well as I do I fished you know my kids came up in this and and uh, now they're they're charter captains and you know it was it's real important to be able to take your family and friends and kids and make things simple sometimes so that is my biggest uh, approach to that but in terms of other Uh, strategies and these can be pulled with the deep divers as well you just have to know where to pull them and when to pull them so if you're gonna pull deep divers let's say you've got three you've got a shallow lip a jointed um, uh, product out there like this one right here so this one I say jointed you can see the back end of this thing wiggles it's got a shallower lip so this one's gonna run a little shallower this one this yozuri it's got a big lip on it it'll run much deeper and even that big one like this, you can put that out long. It'll even dive down deeper. Some of these dive even up to 30 feet, depending on the speed at which you use. Now, that all being said, they can be out there doing their thing, and the reality of it is you can do a couple of different things with a drone spoon. Uh, you can use a an inline trolling weight okay, that connects to – There's the swivel off the trolling weight. It connects to your main leader right here that goes up to your rod. And then you would run a longer leader of fluoro or mono connected with, uh, to the end of that, with the uh, wire leader that you choose, probably 20, 25 feet. It's a lot like, um, uh, a whole lot like uh, Spanish mackerel fishing. But so you could use this, and that would get this drone spoon or a Clark spoon down in the water column a little bit. So you're fishing and you would want to bring that and maybe fish those off of the starboard and port uh, corners of the transom. A couple of different rods right there. You have a couple rod holders, you can put them right there. You can run those a little bit deeper. In addition to that, we'll show a Clark spoon here. This is a number three Clark spoon. These drone spoons, this color, this white color is very effective and popular. Oops, wrong way. So, uh, and you can see it's got some mylar on there. It's got some flash. Flash is important. You know, if you can get some flash, it uh, attracts fish pretty well. And a lot of them, they feel the vibration. They've got that lateral line. That's how they connect and and feel stress and baits and that kind of thing. So, uh, the... The uh, Clark Spoon, another very, very effective product, not just for Spanish, which it's kind of known for, Spanish and bluefish, but it can also be very effective. This number three is a really good size for king mackerel as well. Some of those 8, 10, 12 pound king mackerel love these things. So in addition to using an inline trolling weight that we talked about, you can also use a planer you know, a number two, a number three, this happens to be a number two planer, all the way down to a number one. So you can pull those closer to the, to the boat. So you're fishing that inside um, area as well as when you've got the longer baits out there and they're out there doing their thing. So the good thing about it is this, unless there's a bunch of grass or something around, you don't have to manage and maintain these things like you would a live bait. So you're out there having fun, you're paying attention, you're covering a lot of ground when you're when you're artificial bait fishing because you're going to go generally at least four knots as opposed to a live bait, which you're trying to go as slow as you possibly can. Um, so a, a planar usage means a lot. It simply comes up here, you know, and then and it pulls the, the uh, maybe a Clark spoon out there about 20, 25 feet behind it Okay, and then when it trips, boom, it pulls up and you fight the fish to the top and then you would hand line it. Um, So that's kind of a strategy right there. In addition, um, I'm a big downrigger guy. I love controlled depth fishing. Cannon uh, downriggers are a fantastic product. I've used them for a lot of years. And what you can do is if you do have a downrigger on your boat, if you've got, you know, we've got a couple different cannons. We use manual ones on a small boat, and sometimes we use electric ones. But if you've got a manual downrigger or any kind of downrigger, you can put, if you want to fight fish all the way to rod tip, which is the cool thing about artificial bait fishing, you don't have to just hand line stuff, you know, 20, 25 yards in. You can fight it all the way to rod tip, and have the fun of the fight the entire time. So really and truly you could take this with a um with your wire leader, your eighteen to twenty, you know, for even up to thirty-six inches, and you could put drop this on your downrigger down in your control depth fishing. Let's cause Regardless of what a lot of people think, king mackerel are not just surface predators. I mean, they'll eat right off the bottom. we have caught a lot of kingfish right off the bottom. And the more you fish that water column, if you're in the 40 up to 60 feet of water, you need to get one down there. And so this gives an opportunity with downriggers if you've got them on your boat as well. So you would just put it to your clip just like you would a live bait, and pull it, you know, make sure it's down, make sure it's out of the way of the other uh, lures that are trolling. So, you know, you, you might be getting into a little bit um, more uh, advanced fishery, but you can do it. And I guarantee you, they'll eat them.
0: I Man, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, a lot of great information. So I'm going to try to remember all the questions that sort of came into my mind as you were talking. I'm going to try. Again, you just covered a wealth of knowledge. So at, first off, again, if I'm if I'm trying to get people set up so that they go out with confidence um like we did with the deep divers maybe with the drone spoon give me a couple that you would put on the boat you know whether it's color i think you mentioned number three with clark spoon but i don't know about if we got a size for the drone spoon and then if we are looking at a number three clark spoon again a couple of the colors that you would pull there and then finally just for my knowledge maybe give us a quick description of what's the different action between a drone spoon and a clark spoon
2: Hey, great, good questions, Gary. And, and um, you know, the drone spoon, forgive me, I don't know the size of it, but this one is approximately a five-inch drone spoon. Okay. Um, and so the white one with this Mylar is, is uh, a, a good color. Anything with gold also is good. Um, so, uh, you know, I would do, I would get one of these with, with this white and this um, shine, uh, kind of a Mylar backing right here. Pink and chartreuse and blue. If I were going to buy four, that's probably what I would do. Now, there are a lot of people out there that have experience, that have have their chosen color, their go-to color. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. You fish what you find, you fish what you have confidence in. But those in general, that's what I would go out and purchase if I was going to purchase four things. Um, So... And then, in terms of Clark spoons, they do the same thing that, like, this drone spoon does. A Clark, a silver or gold Clark spoon has been around forever. And these, this color still catches fish. I will tell you this uh, Spanish mackerel, big Spanish mackerel, they do like gold also. But this silver and gold Clark spoon and the same color patterns that I talked to about this in the same colors, um, I think would be very effective. Now, the difference, you know, this. This drone spoon you can see the wide body at the head and then the way that it, these they, they really do more of a wobble okay in the water you know where they're over there fishing in the water column so it attracts fish and it shows us fish a bait fish in distress possibly and so this one the Clark spoon probably doesn't have quite as much wobble but it has a, it's a very similar action you can see the difference in size and, and width but you're kind of targeting the same way, the same fishery. I would probably pull one on one side, one on the other, two different colors, switch them up if you're not getting bit. And uh, and certainly if you see an activity, in the water column, whether it's on the bottom, whether it's in the, in the middle of the water column, and you're marking some cigar minnows or sardines or something like that. So, um, again, very simple to use. Uh, you can use them off the trolling weight. You can use them off of a planer, and you can use them off of a downrigger.
0: So, and I know it's going to, I know the answer to this is going to vary a little bit, you know, with the speed of the troll. But, like, with if we're in 65 feet of water and we're pulling deep divers, then we can expect to cover roughly how deep into the water column. If we're pulling a number two versus a number three planer, again, like how deep are we th- are we getting down, you know, with the planer? And then of course, you know, you finish with the downrigger where we control it all. So I'm more interested in those first two, like, you know, in our mind, how much of the water column are we covering?
2: Yeah, it does depend a lot on how far back and the speed, Gary, at which you're pulling. So speed and distance creates much more depth. Okay. So, and, and, and the size of the lure, the larger the lip, the higher the speed. So, but to answer your question, if you're, if you're pulling this bait right here, this big Magnum, okay. If you're pulling it long and you're pulling it at seven knots, you're going to be down 25 to 30, probably maybe up to 35 feet. So you're covering quite a bit of the water column back there with this big bait. One of these, um, one of the, um, uh, Deep divers like this from Yozuri, It's not quite as big as you can see. It's still uh, it's still a good size bait. It's a good close to six inches. But um, so you're going to be pulling this one. This one's going to cover anywhere from about um, probably 12 to 17 feet, depending on speed. And then you've got the one that we had showed the jointed. And there's a lot of different. Um, you know sizes and that kind of thing but you want to use the bigger ones uh five and a half to seven inches somewhere generally right there if you're targeting king mackerel and and this one right here is going to uh pull anywhere from probably five to eight feet uh so you're kind of covering the entire water column with a few different baits and then obviously with the um with your planers this number two Uh, it won't pull as deep as a number three will. I mean, there's, they go all the way up like number eights, which are generally unnecessary to use for king mackerel fishing. Most of the time I would go one, two, and three, I would have them. And so the lower the number, the shallower they run. So the, and then remember boat speed and distance from the boat means a lot of difference, but you can cover anywhere from 30 feet up to, uh, four or five feet even in the water column, depending on the length of the, uh, the size of the bait, size of the lip, where it's located in the chin, and uh, the, the uh, size of the planer, and obviously the size of your trolling weight. Size of the trolling weight, if you, you know, one ounce trolling weight, get it right under the surface. You can use that with your drone spoons and Clark spoon, or you can use a, you know, four or five ounce trolling weight and and control the depth that way.
0: And uh, to go back to our novice fishermen, you know, entering into this and, you know, basically feeling comfortable with two lines, maybe three. Is there any scenario? Is there any equation where you would say today is going to be a better deep diver day versus today is going to be a better, you know, spoon planer day?
2: You know. Uh, it's a good question, Gary. You know, you never know where fish are going to feed. You don't know, um, you know, you don't, I don't know sometimes if it's in a, uh, you know, it could be uh, a, um, uh, an area that the bait's holding. Uh, so it's going to, you know, the depth and finding out where they feed. But generally pay attention to where you get the bite because there are times, and that's why I'm a, I love controlled depth fishing. You don't always get a bite down deep. But there are days to where, like when you and I went out in November, uh, I think I forgot how many fish we caught, but all but two of the strikes came at a a depth that was much deeper than we could have ever even pulled with even, um, um, you know, a deep diving plug. So the ability to get down and, and check it now to be able to find out exactly where that bite will be, you never really know. Uh, if you see activity on the surface, there's a good chance they'll be up on the surface. But, you know, they're also an ambush predator. They'll they'll come from underneath and hit, and then you'll see a fish sky. And then when you see that, that's obviously what's happened, is that they've come up and they've had the ability and the time to build up that momentum to hit a bait, come out of the water, sky, come back down. So, you know, it's, a, uh, it, it's really hard to tell where they would uh, begin feeding or really kind of determining that before you actually find bites search for the fish that's the main thing
0: well let's do this you know again I'll, I'll offer if you have a final thought something that I haven't set you up you know as far as you know what you're trolling how you're trolling what I would like to move into now is like we got a bite now what you know for instance if I'm trolling at six and I get a bite and Billy grabs that rod and he's fighting the fish and he's crying to slow the boat down. Do I slow the boat down? Am I keeping my six speed up my six knot speed up you know hoping for a second bite and then what am I doing with the spread? what am I doing with the boat you know to give me again the best chance of actually putting that king I managed to hook into the boat
2: you know um, a lot of it Gary does depend on you know experience level uh, slowing the boat down um, I do think certainly if you're if you are um, artificial bait fishing. Slowing the boat down to where um, you know the the angler can keep up with the fish and can get and you can turn to the fish. Um, a lot of times that means a lot. Now if there's smaller fish and the angler can control it and you don't have six lines out and they're not back there uh, into the into the spread or something like that, and you can keep uh, the the baits um activity happening so i mean it's important you can double and hook triple hookup sometimes but again making sure that you know what your capabilities are is no shame in pulling less baits and and uh being able to learn how to fight a fish and and when you do that a lot of times you know even as seasoned and experienced anglers a lot of times i mean if you're looking for that one bite and you haven't had a lot of bites that depends a lot too on how um you know, how you want to fight the fish. If you haven't had a lot of bites, you want to make sure that you can get some of the uh, other rods in. And if it's running fast, it could be a big fish. You chase it and you give your angler the best chance to actually, to actually go out and, and land the fish. And so that's, um, you know, but staying in contact with the fish, I think that's the most important thing. You know, if you're having a lot of bites, great, then keep baits out and see how active you can get see how experienced you can become. But if you're waiting on that one bite, pay attention to that fish. I don't care how many bites you get, you got that one and that's important.
0: And so maybe we slow down, maybe we don't, maybe we turn on the fish, maybe we don't, maybe, uh, Maybe spend a little bit of time helping us put that fish in the boat. You know, I mean, I know you could go into detail about any of these topics, you know, whether we're gaffing that fish, whether we're going to tail grab that fish, you know, how the boat can set up, you know, the team for success or the angler for success. And then I do want you to talk, you know, because I think it is important. You mentioned this, you know, in our preliminary, you know, telling the difference between a king and a Spanish and, you know, just making sure people are keeping legal kings.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, as far as like getting getting to the fish, getting the fish in the boat, um, you know, the strategy of getting the fish, <clears throat> going back to get chasing the fish or not, I'm always about if you've got a fish on, get it in the boat. Uh, and, and so if you've got an opportunity to catch a fish, catch the fish, go back to fishing. If you can keep one or two out, that's great, but pay attention to that fish. You've been fortunate enough. You've worked hard to get a bite. Make sure that when you get that bite, you respect the bite and you go after the fish, getting to the fish and getting the fish in the boat, um, you know. That's a whole nother strategy, a whole nother set of skills that, you know, whether you're gaffing the fish or trying to pull it overboard or whether you're tail grabbing a fish. Um, remember when you're fishing with these artificial baits, and um, you know, they've got some got some pretty, pretty big treble hooks. Okay. So respecting that and understanding that these fish, they get aggressive, and when you grab them or when they're coming out and you got it by by a a leader, you know, these things can pop out pretty easily of their mouth. And the next thing you know, you've got a hook in your face or in your arm or something like that. One thing I will caution, anytime you're catching any kind of fish and handling a bait, make sure you're wearing sunglasses because the last thing you want to do is have a hook in your eye. Um, I know that sound maybe sounds silly, but it is true. So try to make sure if you're handling the fish, gaffing the fish, and you're that person, make sure you've got eye protection on. Um, so in most of the time, you're gonna have sunglasses out there. So protection from the sun can protect you from a hook too. But <clears throat> when you're getting to that fish, it depends a lot of times an experienced angler, actually depending on how well they're hooked, if they're not a big king mackerel, you know, if they're 25, 26 inch king mackerel, a lot of times you can actually pull the fish over the side by the leader. Okay, so you make like one wrap up high away from the hooks and away from the teeth and actually pull it into the boat. If it's a 10, 12 pound kingfish, you might wanna make sure that you've got anywhere from a six to an eight foot gaff on the boat. And if they're small kings, maybe a two inch gaff would be best. Bigger kings, you have a three inch gaff, but if the smaller fish, that gaff gap right there where the hook is, it can actually go around the body sometimes if it's a smaller fish and so you miss your gaff shot. Um, So, and then when you're gaffing, Always gaff behind the line so that way if the fish takes off, it doesn't hit the gaff, it doesn't grab the hook and snatch a hook out. So be behind the line. The gaff person should be behind the line where the angler is, and the angler can that can lead the fish to there to the where you can go right across the back. That's generally where you want to shoot, and right across the dorsal fin and and pull to. Just take your time and gaff, and it can make the best it can make the best fisherman look foolish to be honest with you. And if you're ever going to tail grab a fish, I would only suggest that for if you're pretty experienced and you feel comfortable with it. Um, if you are doing that, make sure the angler doesn't have the rod and the you know, bent with a lot of tension uh, on, the, uh, on the bait and on the fish because it can snatch out. And again, uh, it, can, it can be a bad day when your hooks out of your skin.
0: And I like all of that where it got the king in the boat. Is it a king?
2: Yep, great. I'm glad you said that. You know, that's real important because this time of year, those kingfish and Spanish mackerel, and we get some big Spanish mackerel this time of year too, so you're going to catch some big Spanish mackerel on some of these live baits as well. I mean, uh, these artificial baits as well. So understanding the difference. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to try to look and tell the difference between a Spanish and a King, you know, Spanish got a little more green tint. They have some, you know, some little more pronounced spots, their lateral line, it doesn't drop as quick and that kind of thing. But one thing I can tell you that is generally a fail, fail, a fail proof way to tell is the dorsal spin on a Spanish mackerel is black. So you pull it up, If it's black. It's generally got a little, white or very translucent gray spot on it. If you pull that up, you got a Spanish mackerel. You know, a a kingfish's dorsal fin is generally a very translucent gray type look. So that is really the easiest way to tell whether or not you have a king or a Spanish because they really are very similar in in appearance. And the one thing you don't want to do is you're going out there and Again, this, this coming up in the next few weeks, have a good opportunity to catch a lot of fish and put fish in the box and put some in the freezer and get ready for grilling and that kind of thing. But you don't want to fill your box with a bunch of undersized kingfish. And there's a difference. You know, Spanish mackerel, the, the krill limit is 15 at a 12-inch fork length. So they have to be 12 inches from the inside, the fork of the tail. So if this were the tail, you would measure from here Right out to the nose. Okay, 12 inches for Spanish mackerel, 15 limit per person per day. Kingfish is 24 inch. From the fork length all to the nose, and there are three per person per day in North Carolina. So, Fish Rules app—it's an app that you can put on your phone, very accurate. And use—you uh, know—just be very wise about what you're doing because the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to pull up to the ramp. You don't want to want the man to be there and say, "Hey, did you have a good day?" Yeah, I had a great day. Let me show you. He said, "Yeah, you had a great day, but I uh, got to tell you, you got a box full of undersized kingfish, and that is not the citation." uh... that you want in north
0: carolina (laughs) no that is not the citation you want in north carolina Mark, this was fantastic like as expected i mean just a wealth of knowledge you know and delivered in a very easy to digest format i mean i think you've definitely empowered many people now to like go out and try their hand at catching some spring kings and it's not just spring you know kings in general but you know we focus that i mean i i think you delivered hands down I was actually a little confused, and still am to this day, exactly how I introduce you. So I'm going to let you tell everyone Liquid Fire Sport Fishing, Liquid Fire Fishing Team, you know, and and what you got going on. We want you, you know, and we do this with every captain. We want you to do a little self-promotion here. We want you to tell us what you got going on and, you know, have people call you. Have them go fishing with the Henderson clan, you know, and just know, you know, what you're all about.
2: I appreciate it, Gary. Yeah, I, um... Uh, you know, I own um, liquid fire fishing, well I don't own the team, I mean it's our team name, it's our family name, I do own the boat, I've got a 39 CV uh, with quad uh, Mercury 400, so you know, and that started developing, we started King Mackerel Fishing back in 2004, I won't take you through the whole history, but um, you know, it's been very important to be to be able to fish with my, my family, my wife, Audrey, as you know, is very involved in what we do, I've got quite a few sponsors and we're very blessed and honored to, to be able to represent those those companies, but it's been a real honor of mine and a pleasure of mine. To be able to, to fish with my sons, you know, Joshua and Crockett have come up in the, uh, in the sport, and I'm very proud of them. Both of them are licensed, um, you know, charter captains, um, and they actually <clears throat> run and and are the charter um, captains for the Liquid Fire sport fishing. So it went, you know, we've got Liquid Fire fishing team and Liquid Fire sport fishing. Joshua generally serves as the captain. For the liquefier sport fishing and crockett normally serves as the mate unless crockett can't uh, or unless joshua can't go and then joshua can i mean crockett can take out the clients and then every once in a while they'll allow the old man to go and mate i don't <laughs> act like the captain anymore i'm I'm, I'm too old. For that. They're a lot better fishermen than I am, that's for sure. But you know, it's been a it's you know they started really kind of the liquid fire sport fishing full um, to be a full time gig last year. Had a very successful year. Um, so you know, give Josh a call. Uh, his number is 252-723-1113. And you can check him out on on Facebook. And we've got a really nice looking. Um, uh, liquid Fire Sport Fishing website. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Jay Feemster and Design Brothers, created that for us and did a real good job with it. And uh, uh, there, a lot of cool pictures. We, uh, you know, that's the one thing I do like to do is try to take good photos uh, and engage our, our clients and and people like that. So, you know, so that's kind of where we are. Got Liquid Fire Fishing uh, and Instagram and and Facebook, and then we have Liquid Fire Sport Fishing. Um, same family, same operation two different um, uh, two different um, businesses if you will one is tournament fishing with liquid fire fishing and one is charter fishing with liquid fire sport fishing
0: when liquid fire sport fishing isn't chasing King mackerel with clients what are they chasing
2: uh, offshore wahoo Mahi uh, near shore um, you know they'll go in you know we'll go flounder trips um, You know, can't keep them right now but um, you know grouper fishing bottom fishing black sea bass, amberjack um you know we do pretty much anything where the boats are set up to go offshore uh we will run both uh trips on the on the 39 cv um but the 31 contender has got brand new 300 Mercuries on it and it is set up to go offshore fishing and do anything that you want swordfish fishing we're prepared for that uh, got all the electric gear anything and everything offshore near shore that, that uh, you would want to do i think we could handle it for you
0: Mark Henderson, final question before we say goodbye. Just how many horsepower does it take to catch a king mackerel?
2: <laughs> Not many. Quite <laughs> frankly, that was the whole thing about doing the uh, getting out there and having fun, making it easy, um, and, and making sure that you stay in touch and having fun with your family and friends. Get out. Make it simple. Have fun. Don't spend a lot of money. Um, I got, you know, 1,600 horsepower on a 39CV. You have to have it to catch kingfish. (laughs) You do not. But I got to tell you, it is fun. You rode on it. Um, It it, is
0: fun. And my my 12-year-old will tell you the same. Like, it is absolutely, you know, a highlight of him is hopping on that go fast boat. That was great.
2: But you know what? You don't have to have it, gang, to get out there. Just have fun. Go get some, make some rigs quick. Get out there. Within 30 minutes, you're ready to go fishing.
0: Mark Henderson, thank you so much for joining us.
2: I appreciate it, Gary. Billy, thank y'all so much. I truly enjoyed my time. Yeah, Yeah, man,
1: thank you so much. It was great, great. Man, I learned so much stuff, Gary. It was insane. Just so much stuff.
0: Yeah, like the I love the approach of making it easy, you know, and hence making it fun. Yeah. And you know, I think in this long chapter of Fisherman's Post, man, I've looked at it. You know, like it's supposed to be fun. Like fishing is supposed to be fun. And I think making it easy and making it simple in your approach, you know, just getting you out there. And then, you know, people can do it the what they will. They can, you know, they can escalate. They can make it, you know, more detail-oriented. But I love the notion of just getting out, putting out a couple of deep divers, and you're fishing.
1: Yeah. I, I was like, man, I think I could do this on a John boat. I, gotta get in. I think you can. <laughs> I, I was like, when you were talking about, I'm going to ask a question for Billy about turning lines in together or whatever. I can't remember the question. I was like, I'm pretty sure that'll work on a John boat. I can make it happen. You can make it happen. <laughs> oh man, what a great episode! Well, dude, speaking of great episodes, this is—I uh, forgot this in the beginning, but I'm going to hit it right now. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Cito here in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. Uh, make sure you reach out to Cito Scott—that's his Instagram name—and check out what those guys can do. I mean, they are—they—they they keep everybody safe on the water and, and pull people in and all kinds of stuff. I don't know. He—he he tells us all kinds of crazy stories. I'm sure you've heard. Uh, some of Scott's stories as well. Yes. I'm just like that's a crazy job. But anyway, so check out Sito. That's why I made this possible. Uh, and also check us out on Instagram. You can see on Gary's uh, video on his shot. It was Fisherman's Post or Fisherman's Dot Post uh, there on Instagram. And be sure to share your pictures and and do all that fun stuff, man. Interact with us on there. Tell us what you want to see. If you want to see somebody on this show, uh, make sure you let us know. Send us a send us a message there. DM us all your fishing pics and video. That's something that we've talked about. We want to really uh you know get in get into a little bit more is, is featuring some really fun fishing videos on our Instagram account. So
0: I see that as the direction. I mean, I mean cool. I've got a long history of working with fish photos. I mean I don't know if there's anyone alive that's handled as many fish photos as I have. <laughs> and I would I'm ready to start more of the next chapter, which might be the fishing videos. I would love for us to be able to feature yeah, some cool. some viewer, listener you know submitted fishing videos you know of course we don't want we don't need that 20 minutes that it took you to bring that fish in but maybe you can send us a a smaller highlight
1: yeah that's good yeah man that's awesome and then we'll you know feature it on here we can play the video right in here as well so it'd be fun but cool man well i think that's it i think we had it covered thank you so much billy it was a good time thank you gary